0: Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned to the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Can everybody say, Father! waiting to get here to preach for so long and now I get to say finally I'm so excited. I have been anticipating this for so long and finally I get to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I adore Nancy. I think Nancy was, I don't know, barely out of her teens, maybe still in her teens when I first met her and about 20. So she was a baby. She's still a baby. She still looks like exactly the same and I dearly love this woman and I told a story once that I was talking about Nancy so much that every time no matter who I was talking to or talking about or talking with the story would always sort of weave its way back around Nancy and I went and I said to myself self I wonder if people think Nancy's my only friend (laughs) but I get to call her my friend and I'm honored I adore this lady thank you I brought my wingman. He's going to help me with my illustrated sermon, aren't you? Oh, I am. You are. Look at there. He said, I am. He just had a question mark at the end of it. If you all would like to be seated, I have some two things I'd like to do. First of all, Richard told me that we're live streaming, so I'm supposed to say hi, y'all, to live streaming. We're so <laughs> glad you're here. Thank you for joining us on live stream. I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm so glad. (laughs) Technology passed me by, and I'm thinking like 50,000 years ago. And if I was one of those little kids that was born in technology that can do it, I still couldn't do it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. When you look at the computers, the craziest thing on the planet Earth to me is a camera how does it know what my hair looks like? How does it know what color my outfit is? And how does it know to put my face on a piece of paper? I mean, how does it know? Seriously. So if God can use technology and he can use technology for all of you, I can say, hi there. Welcome to live stream. We're glad you're here. Second of all, I got an interesting call just before I got ready to preach. Well, actually, it was a text message, and it was from a friend of mine who asked me to pray for her son who had had an injury. It was actually a head injury. And I said I would do it, and I want to do that. And it reminded me of something that I did—I uh, want to say—a couple of years ago. So we all know we're not supposed to use our cell phones to make silly conversations in the middle of services. And I promise that's not what this is. I'm busted with this woman. Now, I really do use my Bible on my phone. Why? Because I lose my Bible all the time. I lose my—I lose my glasses. I lose—I lose my cell phone. But I had a friend come up to me once and said, "Can we have a cell phone service?" I said do we have cell phone service? And I'm like, I don't know. She said, no, let's have a cell phone service. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said at the beginning of the service that I was preaching, she said, would you mind letting everybody get their cell phone out and either text somebody or videotape it or record a prayer? And when you pray, let them record it on their cell phone and have a cell phone service so they could send it to someone in the hospital or send it to one of their family members. So right now, with Debbie's permission, (laughs) you gotta know that if I only had one friend in the world, it'd be Nancy, but two friends, it'd be Debbie. I adore this woman. She's the cutest thing on the planet. I only wish I could be as cute as she is because she's so cute, I just love her. But let's have a cell phone service. If you wanna get out your cell phones, temporarily. (laughs) Let's pray. We'll pray for loved ones. I want to pray for a young man by the name of Hill, and we are going to believe God. And I want to say, my husband told me that my my family is watching online, and my daughter said my boots were okay. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I sent her all these text messages. Should I wear my high heel boots? Should I wear my flat boots? That also passed me by. (laughs) But Hi to my family. Hi to my kids. Thank you for watching. Thank you for saying such nice things about your mother. Say that after the service too. Text it to me and say all kinds of real, all the words I told you to use about me after the service, it'll be awesome. And then I'll act like you made it up. And I want to say in the name of Jesus, Satan cannot have our families. He cannot have us. God honors mama's prayers. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for your family members. I pray for your loved ones. I pray for anyone who has experienced an accident. I pray for Hill right now. I pray for your family members that you've been holding the rope for. I pray for anything and everything you have need of, whether they're in the hospital, whether it's a family member, a friend, you may wanna play this back for yourself. That's just peachy because God said he sent his word to heal them and deliver them from destruction. So when you play this, I want you to repeat It and repeat it and repeat it and if the devil starts to talk to you in the night Say devil hold on a minute I'm getting my cell phone and we're going to repeat it and we're going to repeat it and we're going to repeat it in the name of Jesus I send the word to hell I send the word to anyone that's listening within the sound of my voice and I speak life and life more abundantly I speak health and I speak recovery and I speak hope and in the name of Jesus I pray for the spirit of God to touch you to touch your family To touch your finances, to touch your relationships, to touch your job, to touch your marriage. I pray for the living God to touch you in every area of your life. I speak directly to the devil and I say, No, devil, in the name of Jesus, you can't have God's property. In Jesus' name, rebuke means stop it, that's enough. And so I say, Devil, stop it. That's enough. I rebuke you according to the word and the will of God. I pray for you. I pray for the spirit of David, the mind of Christ, the peace of God, the blessing of Abraham, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I pray for anything and everything that you have need of to come to you now in Jesus' name. And as a corporate body of believers, let's shout amen, 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 amen. Amen means so let it be written So let it be established in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Wahoo. Finally, praise the Lord. And now I'm going to get myself in trouble. So everybody say, Richard. Richard. Lindsay's going to say something, but don't hold her accountable. (laughs) So there is this story called the hairbrush. And if I've said it here before, if you've ever heard it again, let's say it again just because Richard's in the audience, okay? So the story is that Richard came running into our house one day. He had to preach shortly, and, and he was screaming. He's left-handed, and he's just screaming all over, Lindsay, Lindsay. I mean, when he screams Lindsay, he never does stuff like that. So I think, you know, like the little red hen or the chicken or whatever that is, the sky is falling, right? And so he comes, and he is just doing this. And he's, I said, what? is wrong with you. He said, I can't find my hairbrush. That was his hairbrush. And he said, I'm not going to preach until I can get my hairbrush. I got to get my hair. I got to spray my hair. I got it. He was just going on. And I'm like, seriously, are you kidding me? It's your hairbrush. And he had it right there. And he was doing this. Where is my hairbrush? Have you ever heard that VeggieTales song, Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, <laughs> where, oh, where, oh, where, oh, where? I wonder where they got the idea. And I said to him, sweetie, I'm not sure, but maybe you should look in your left hand. Why would I want to do that? I, I don't know. I just feel the Lord telling me look in my left hand. He said... How did that get there? I said, I'm not sure, but I kind of think that maybe an angel came and dropped it right there in your left hand. Now, the point of this story is, I'm in so much trouble, and the second point of this story is, faith. The Bible talks about faith is where you find it, yeah. and so many times we're all on the outside looking in, going, I gotta get this, I gotta get this. I gotta do that, I gotta, and God is saying, Mm-mm, you got it backwards. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God and it's a backward Kingdom. It is backwards to the way we think. It's backwards to the way we believe. It's backwards to the way we work in the natural. It is absolutely, positively backwards to the world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, "I've overcome the world," but the tribulation is still out there. And the yeah. difference is, what would happen if I? Tra- I'm not going to do it because my daughter already said it looked okay, so I can't mess it up. But what would happen? if I took this top and I put it on backwards like Uh this and you would say, Lindsay, flip that around. You're wearing it from the inside out. So in a backwards kingdom, God has designed us from the foundation of the earth to live in a kingdom from the inside out. Only the problem is, you're of the world, you're in the world, but you're not supposed to be of the world, but you are of the world. You watch television, you get cell phones, you listen to what happened, you go and see something happen and it brings fear. You do this, you do that, and what begins to happen? You begin to process things from the outside in. And you think, oh, maybe that guy looks good. Maybe I want to marry that guy when he may be an actor murderer for all you know and you're looking from the inside from the outside in right so what do you do you go to your girlfriend and your girlfriend said oh he's a dog he's ugly he hasn't got anything he'll never mount anything okay 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 and you believe your girlfriend and the minute you don't go after him she does hello so we're looking from the outside in when God is sitting on the inside Literally screaming and hollering at us, I made you in my image, and that is from the inside out. God has put inside every person the measure of faith. Faith is not after you get it, you talk about it. Faith is seeing it on the inside with the eyes of your faith before it ever happened. Faith is like Noah. Before there was a drop of rain, he built an ark, even though everybody called him an idiot. No, he saw it. How could you see rain when there was never any rain? It's just exactly like when God saw the mighty oak and we see an acorn. He saw the finished product. When we look at what Isaiah said in the Bible, when we look at what Micah said in the Bible, they were prophesying, what were they? Seers. Seers do what? They see. And then they say. And then they do. Seers see. Then they say. And then they do. do. So what did they see? They saw the Son of God. They saw Jesus. His name would be wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. And all of this was there. They saw it all. There was no Mary. There was no Joseph. There was no Jesus. There was no baby. There was no nothing. We're still talking Old Testament. Isaiah prophesying. Old man with the beard saying stuff. And people thinking he's nuts. But the truth of the matter is. He saw With what the Bible calls the eyes of his faith. He was seeing from the inside out. And what he saw from the inside out became manifest. And you know what happened? He saw the finish before it started. And when he saw the finish line before it ever started. He spoke the finish line. He said it. He decreed it. He declared it. He prophesied it. He said it. And then Jesus said, looky there. He's finished. Let's start. We have got to see the finish line before we ever start at start. Because if you don't see the finish line and you start at start, you may be starting at the wrong starting line, which means you will never get to the right finish line if you don't start in the right place. The Bible is very clear, very clear that we have to see things with the eyes of our faith. Now, my husband, who is also my, um, he, he right now is my purse carrier, and he's also the one that tells me what to do because he's my road assistant. He, I have a roadie. I have a fan. I have a following. He's right there. He told me I have to talk about my books. So he said, I'll put them up there, and when you see them, talk about them. Guess what? I forgot. So... This one's called A Cry for Miracles. I was, at my birthday's at Christmas, and it was Christmas Eve night, and I was putting, you know that game that you play with your children called Some Assembly Required, where they all sleep? (laughs) So, one of us was playing Some Assembly Required, and the other one was making me a hot cup of coffee so I could still play Some Assembly Required. (laughs) And all of a sudden we were sitting, it was just about Christmas, just about midnight, and, you know, I'm ready for birthday, and all of a sudden, we hear this, and then plunk. So we looked up at the top of the stairs, and my youngest daughter was not breathing. She had flipped over, and thank God she didn't go flying down the stairs, but she fell on the top of the stairs. So Richard ran up, and he picked her up, and she, all I can say is, you know what a limp dishrag looks like when it's just, and there's nothing? So he got on the phone. This is the day before cell phones. And he said, he, he grabbed the regular phone, called our doctor. And the doctor said, is she this? Yes. Our lips blew yes. Is she that? Yes. Everything he said that was bad, we had to say yes. He said, run to the hospital. I'll meet you there. He put my daughter in the car and took off. I had two other babies at home. So here I am thinking, what can I do? Now, I was looking at the outside in. So I was super uber spiritual. I went upstairs, I went into my bathroom, I got near my closet, I grabbed the closet door, I slammed it real hard, and I kicked the door. Great, that was awesome. The only thing I did was put a mark on the door and hurt my foot. (laughs) Because I was operating from the outside in. And so I began to sit down and in this little heap I began to cry and God said it's all right if you cry. I thought, "Oh yay." And he said, "No, no. Not boo-hoo cry. If you cry for miracles." Boohoo cry. There's two cries in the Bible, C R Y, the words used twice. One means battle cry, one means boohoo cry. I was boohoo crying. I had to get out of boo-hoo cry, see it from the inside out. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We could speak the word of God. And my daughter's healed by the stripes that wounded Jesus. And when that happens and I cried for miracles, by the time he got to the hospital, she was totally healed. They put her on breathing machines and did all this stuff there, totally healed. So I wrote a book called A Cry for Miracles. This one is Read, Pray and Obey. Dr. Paul Youngie Cho. Largest church in the world. In fact, you're going there next week, and uh, it's in Korea. And we talked to Dr. Cho, and he's a wonderful man. And we first met him back in the days when he said he had was it five people in his church, and he said four were my family members, and one of those four was my (laughs) mother-in-law. And apparently, she wasn't real happy with what was going on. And he said, "I said, well, how did you build the largest church in the world?" He said, "It's very simple. I read, I pray, then I obey." You read the Word of God, you pray it out, and then you do it. And so this one's called Read, Pray, and Obey. This one is called Overcoming Stress. This one is my favorite, least favorite, because one day while I was trying to write a stress book on stress, I was so stressed out, my daughter (laughs) brought me my own manuscript. She said, Mommy, I have a gift for you. And I said, What is it? She said, Here, read your book. (laughs) So I was stressed out about stress book and writing my stress book, and I was getting healed by my own stress book. So figure that one out. It's called, why not be blessed instead of stressed? Because then we're seeing things from the inside out. This is called put on your crown and sit down. A a precious friend of mine was um, not even in my thought, process. I was sitting in a room and I was with my husband. We were about to sign something and the Lord said, get up and call her. I said, well, okie dokie. And the Lord said, get up and call her now. And I said, okay, in a minute. And he said, now, you know what now means to God? That sort of means now, now, or you're going to miss it. So I got up and I called her and I said, this may sound really weird to you. He said, I said, the Lord just spoke to me and told you, put on your crown and sit down. Take your seat of authority. Quit walking around like it's not yours. It is yours. God gave it to you. Put on your crown and sit down. The title of my message tonight is put on your crown and sit down. Another name for that is take your dominion seat of authority. Ephesians 2, 6, God has raised us up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. Yes, I have a crown. I have a ruler and I have monopoly. All of them have something to do with faith. Put on your crown and sit down. You put on your crown. You sit down you take your dominion seat of authority. All those words are action verbs. There are passive verbs and there's action verbs. And too often as Christians, we act like a passive verb when God wants us to be the action verb. And we're sitting back going, God, when are you? And God is sitting up there going, when are you? I did my part. Do yours. And we're saying, Oh Jesus, when are you going to come? Did that. So he isn't waiting for him to do something again. Remember, he saw the finish line. He started at start and he finished his course. And then he gave us the course to finish by starting at start. And we're sitting there going, I wonder when God's going to use us. Um, Okay. He's already been there, done that, and given us the instruction. And now that he can trust us to see with the eyes of our faith, he wants us to go back to start once we have already seen the finish line raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. It actually means this. You take your dominion place of authority, and dominion means this. Dominion is a very interesting word. It means domination. And when you are in domination, it means supreme authority, sovereign, absolute authority. It means you have your own domain as an area of territory owned or controlled by a ruler or a government. We know what sovereign is. We know what cute little Queen Elizabeth looks like. I know she's like 90 million, but someday I want to meet her. She's so cute. I actually think that she's, you know, I might even be taller than she is. Maybe not, but I can hope and pray. But she is so cute. And here is this woman that's about this big, and she's got a crown on her head that's like this big. And I wonder, how does she do that? Number one, how does she hold her head up? Number two, how does she not have a headache? And number three, when people see that on that tiny little woman, what do they do? They bow. They bow. She's 90 some years old. She's as big as a tiny little gnat. And yet, when people see her, they bow. With or without the crown, they bow. Why? Because she's a sovereign. And a sovereign actually means an area or a territory owned or controlled by a ruler or a government. Now, here's the deal put on your crown and sit down why did they do this to me <laughs> means a territory owned or ruled by someone in a government good night so it's it's the person who is the ruler yeah. and the owner who is the sovereign a sovereign wears a crown and they are a ruler here's the deal This is a crown, and this is a ruler. God told us to put on this kind of a crown, but we're messing with this kind of a ruler. We are measuring things by the inch, by the pound, by how old we are, by how young we are. We look through the eyes as a ruler with a ruler, and our ruler says, You know what? I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I don't have enough money. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too young. Maybe people won't take me seriously. Maybe I this and maybe I that. And we measure with our measuring stick as a ruler with inches and centimeters. When God said the measuring stick is your crown. And I already told you, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Put on your crown and be a ruler. This ruler, not that ruler. This stuff. This stuff will get you nowhere. It's inches and centimeters. I don't want somebody to tell me how big I am around. Listen, if I were if I was three or four inches shorter, I would be a circle. We all know that. I don't want you to measure me. Stand up. <laughs> don't measure me with this measure me with this when i stand on my crown i'm a lot taller i adore her i prayed for tall children and i got them they rub it in my face now and then but i got them you're seated with christ in heavenly places oh no may may i have some assistance from my assistant please That would be you. Well, yeah. Is that a knife? Good dear God, no. You know me. And you're going to hand me a knife to cut this box with a sharp knife? Cano. No, no, no. Mercy sakes, alive. The other day at dinner last night, I think I dropped four forks, and he's gonna put a sharp object in my hand. No. So, from the inside out, we're looking at things. Oh, assistant, oh, trusted one. Yes, you please. I want you to hold my Monopoly board. So, why do they do this? What happened to the little square box? that you flip it open and there's a Monopoly board, for well, heaven's I'm sake? Look at it first. I don't know. <laughs> Prior preparation prevents poor performance. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I know, right? That wasn't me. That was the board. So this is Go. This is Mediterranean, Baltic, Oriental, Vermont, Connecticut. St. Charles, St. James, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, the B and O Railroad, Waterworks, um, Marvin Gardens, Pacific Avenue, Community Chess Chance, Shortline Railroad, Luxury Tax, Park Place and Boardwalk. How many of you ever played Monopoly? How many of you have ever wanted to be on Park Place and Boardwalk? And what do you want? Those little red hotels, right? We all want the red hotels. So you get out. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> This could be dangerous. They should, they should put warning labels on them. Okay, so, so what happens is they change these. They never used to have some of these. I want the car. Who wouldn't want the car? Don't give me that dog. When I can have a car, I want a motorized vehicle. So you start here and you collect two hundred dollars as you pass go, and then you go around here and you, and you land right there in Park Place, and you buy Boardwalk. So if you get to buy both of them, then what do you get? With Boardwalk and Park Place, you get to put up a hotel. First, you can start with the little houses, and then if you're really rich, you can put up the hotels, right? So it's a strategy. It's a strategy. You see, we want to have Park Place and Boardwalk when we have Baltic Avenue faith. And we're praying, dear God, please let somebody land on my Baltic Avenue and I get $6 rent. You cannot win Monopoly with that silly chance. Luxury tax, why do I always land on luxury tax? It's like he must fix the board, shuffle the cards, and sneak them in there. Lindsay's going to land on luxury tax. I, I'm telling you, I believe he prays I land on luxury tax. And it's now it's a hundred. Didn't it used to be seventy-five dollars? It's inflation. It's a hundred. I'm not kidding. So you go down here and you land on these and you're paying your income tax and you take a chance and you land in jail and all of this other stuff. And you're saying, Oh Jesus, give me boardwalk, when really you haven't even started with park with 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 Mediterranean and Baltic and and You're praying and believing God for one house or $6 rent, but you're telling God, I'm gonna live like Boardwalk and Park Place. Let me tell you something, not even in this game can you do that. And if you can't do it in Monopoly, my friend, you can't do it in life. Because if you can't figure out the strategy of how to get past a $6 hotel and and cheap rent, and figure out the strategy. You know, the people that buy Baltic, then they jump over here and buy state, and then they jump over here and buy India. No, hold your money, and you buy three in a row, because they're going to have to land on you, and it's doom and gloom for them, and then you put up little tiny houses, and then you put up hotels, and then you act like ownership, and you go, na, 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 and then they land on you. It's a strategy. But you see, we don't want to strategize with our faith. We want to whine and gripe, and complain and tell God, where are you, God, when he's sitting over there on Board rock and park place and saying, come on, guys. And it's not that you have to live in the biggest house or live in the biggest hotel. I don't care, but I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't sit there with your faith on the outside looking out. Why don't I have a hotel? Why don't I have a house? Why don't I have a car? Why don't I this and why don't I that? When truthfully, God has given you the keys to the kingdom. And if you'll see first the kingdom of God and how he operates in the kingdom from the inside out, then all the things you have need of shall be added unto you. My father-in-law, Oral, used to say we undersell the cro- uh, the the cross. When Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood, he took on 39 stripes. Every stripe that he took was for our healing. When he shed his blood, it's so we could have eternal life. And life eternally, life abundantly. If you look up that word abundant, abundant life is very simple. It means excessive in quantity and uh, excellent in Superior in quality and excessive in quantity. Superior in quality and excessive in quantity. And here we are saying, I don't have a nickel. Well, then find a, find a smaller nickel and sow it. The kingdom of God is as a seed that must be sown. If you are giving to God your time, maybe you volunteer in a church, maybe you're doing this, maybe you're doing that. Listen, one of the greatest persons I've ever known on the earth that volunteered for me, volunteered as a babysitter. I needed 20 minutes. A Calgon take me away sometimes just to get my senses back together. And somebody would volunteer to take care of my kids. That was a seed. There's always some way. God said he would give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And if we seek the kingdom of God that is as a seed, find some way to sow a seed. Kenneth Copeland started his entire life in ministry with my father-in-law, Oral Roberts. And basically what he did was he made a $10 pledge. He didn't have $10.00 he didn't have 10 cents. He didn't have a nickel. And he wrote it out as a pledge and he put the pencil in saying to himself, this is only a pencil, but it's by faith. I'm going to have $10 to put in there. And he turned around before he left the meeting, a woman chased him down and said, God told me to give you $10. And he said, give it here. He took the $10. He took out his pencil, kept his pencil, put the $10 in. And he said, that day I became a partner of faith. Now you see, if you have faith to be a sower he will give you seed to the sower if you just have faith for you and you're not a sower then don't ask for just ask faith for you but don't ask faith to be a sower if you're not going to be a sower Ephesians 6 12 this is one of my favorite scriptures because if we ever really get a hold of this we will learn how to fight like a two-year-old the Bible says a child shall lead us And I would like that child during this message to be a two-year-old. What does a two-year-old say? What's the first thing a two-year-old learns how to say? No, and mine. No, devil, that's mine. If we could ever learn, no, that's mine, like a two-year-old and mean it, what does a two-year-old do? They stomp their feet. Why? Because they're not kidding. They're not kidding. If that's their toy... And most of all, if it's not their toy, they don't care. If they've made a resolve in their mind and a resolve in your heart that that's theirs, they will stomp their foot, they will say no, and they will say mine. And guess what? They will mean it. Oh, maybe, Lord. Oh, that's mine. Oh, no, devil. That, I've said this before. That song, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Who wrote that song? Because if a devil sits on the tack, you didn't destroy him. You didn't defeat him. You only made him mad. And now he's going to come after you more mad. There is a point where we have to understand Ephesians 6:12. We do not wrestle flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what that is. That is fighting from the inside out. If you think for 30 seconds that you are qualified or I am qualified to fight the devil in my own flesh, I'm not, why? Because keep this in mind, the devil is a spiritual force. He was in heaven as Lucifer. He saw how the Bible operated. He saw how God operated. He saw how faith operated. He saw how Jesus operated. He saw how spiritual warfare operated. So here's what you have. You have God and you have the devil. You have Jesus and you have the devil. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the devil. But what is all of that? It's a spiritual force. And if you try and fight, the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. They're spiritual. And when they're spiritual, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But if you do not understand that your weapons of your warfare are not your flesh, oh, he made me mad. Oh, you just got in the flesh. Because you see, he didn't do it. There was a spirit, a power, a principality, a ruler of darkness that was working through somebody who may or may not have been a Christian, but they yielded themselves just enough to allow the devil to work through them. So you want to go and say, I want to take her head off. Well, you just got in the flesh. And so now your weapons of your, of your warfare have just hit the floor, hit the deck. And I guarantee you on the word of God that that's going to be some fight. And it's probably not one you're going to win. But he said, when you understand that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not in your mind. They are spiritual. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. I say it like this. Jesus and Satan are kind of like twins. They know spiritual warfare. They were in heaven with God. They know how to use the word of God. There's a lot about Jesus and the devil that's common ground, but with a twist. One takes that power and uses it for God, and one takes that power and uses against God. And if you are not recognizing that it's a power, and it's a force, and it's a spiritual force, then what you're going to do is start fighting in the flesh and get ready to lose but if you recognize that satan is a spiritual force just as jesus is a spiritual force get on the fighting force of god the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty i like mighty weapons through god how to the pulling down of strongholds and if you want to pull down a stronghold you're going to have to cast down imagination What's an imagination? Well, you're made in the image of God. You're made in the imagination of God. So what happens is you have an image. You have an imagination. Think about this. This is spiritual warfare. So the spirit of God is trying to tell you this, and the spirit of the devil is trying to tell you this. Your spirit, right? Then soul, then body. You get your instructions in the spirit. You process through the soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, and then it lands in your body. You either get sick, you get a headache, you get an ulcer, or you walk something out. You start out in the spirit, you get your instruction, you get that thought, the imagination, the image. You see something. Oh my gosh, what if my child gets in a car wreck? What if this? What if that? Oh my goodness, what if I lose my job? I just lost my job. I'll never get another job. And you're listening to the images that are being formed Through spiritual warfare, through words coming in. God's over here saying, don't believe that junk. I gave you my son, Jesus. Hang on, hang on, the weapons of your warfare. But over here, Satan's doing this, and it's a spiritual tug of war. And if you let them pull you far enough, you're going to land in the mud. Simple as that. So then it gets into your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and then what happens? Your body carries it out. You get into anxiety. Suddenly you're having a panic attack. Suddenly you got a migraine headache. Suddenly this, suddenly I'm not saying all of those are from that. But I'm saying suddenly what you heard in the spirit, if it's not processed through the eyes of your face and you begin to try and process it in the fleshly soul realm without the renewing of your mind daily with the word of God, then your body is going to carry out something you probably aren't going to like. So how do you tell the difference? God talks like he writes. And he writes like he talks. Yes, Satan knows the word. Don't kid yourself. But when you want to find the final outcome of the worst enemy you'll ever have and the best friend you'll ever have and you think they sound alike, get in the word because God talks like he writes and he writes like he talks. There is no mass confusion in any way. So if we're willing to separate that. Think about this. Think about Delilah and think about Esther. Once again, they're like identical twins, sort of. They both had a cause. They both were willing to die for their cause. They both were willing to do what it takes to get the cause done. They both had a mission. They both had to get the eye of a man. And one did it to bring down the kingdom of God, and one did it to lift up the kingdom of God. But if you're sitting back saying, I don't know which voice it is, get in the word. God writes like he talks, and he talks like he writes. And what you have to do is make a discernment. How am I going to fight this battle? Oh, that's real simple, from the inside out. If I start fighting it from the outside in, first of all, if I try and get in the flesh, dear God... That's all I have to say about that one. We have to see that we are made in the image of God. We are of God, little children. You are of God, little children, 1 John 4, 4, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means you are of, of God, means of the characteristic and nature of God. And what that means is, in a sense, you're a clone of God. Because anything God put within God's confines when he fearfully and wonderfully made you in his image, in his imagination, then when he birthed you in the earth, very simply he put all the stuff from God into you, and that's why you are of God little children. The other day I took a DNA test. I found out something very interesting. You want to know what my father's name is? His name is God. (laughs) And I can do all things according to his plan for me. Then he went ahead and he sent Jesus. And he said, by the stripes that wounded Jesus, you're to be healed and made completely whole. Because Jesus finished his course for healing and wholeness and everything else. And then he said, you can do all things through Christ. So now you're not only made in the image of God. You're not only of God. Jesus said, my father and I are one. So Jesus and God are one. Then you go to John chapter 17. And he said, oh, and the oneness that I had with my father, I just passed to you so now you have all that power and all that authority in fact he said the anointing what is the anointing the anointing is burden removing yoke destroying power of God but it's also the power and presence of God for what for anything and everything you have need of so while you're sitting there with all this power you are in the imagination of God then he puts you into the earth and then he filled you full of God every bit of God then he said and oh by the way I gave to every person the measure of faith. And by the more you hear the word of God, the more you develop your faith, as you develop your faith, you develop from the inside out and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. However, if you don't know who you are and you don't know where you came from, you will not know where you're going. You are of God, little children, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus wasn't kidding. I and my father are one. If you've ever had one of those moments where you want to really just sit and ponder, go read John chapter 17. Jesus said, I don't pray for everybody in the world. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. He didn't say, I pray for everybody. Oh, I pray y'all get it. No. He's not going to give the anointing where the anointing is going to be wasted. He won't. And cannot do it so he will not empower somebody to prosper in a devilish scheme so he said I empower people to prosper if they're of me and if they are of my father my I and my father are one and the power that God gave in fact use the word glory oh you're full of God's glory Um, Yeah, Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory, the power, the presence, and the healing virtue of God that was in Jesus has now come upon you. And Jesus said, I will transfer that when I go to my Father in heaven. Now let's go get out in the boat. So in the book of Mark, you have a storm that comes up, and Jesus knew that he had to go to the other side, And go where the Gadareans are. Now there was a crazy man, the Bible says, that was out of his mind, naked and living in tombs. And nobody cared. He was demon possessed. He was out of his mind. He was naked. And he was living in tombs. So Jesus saw the finish line that he was supposed to go get him healed, saved, and delivered. And when he saw the finish line, he said to the disciples, let's start. But Jesus, who knows and sees everything, knew that there was a storm coming. But he didn't, he didn't focus on the storm. He was too busy focusing on the other side. He was focusing on the finish line before he ever told the disciples to get in the boat and start. Yeah. So because he knew what the finish line was and he knew that he was supposed to have a deliverance with this, this Gadarean, he said to the disciples, let's go. And in the middle of the storm... The disciples go wake him up and say, why are you sleeping? Don't you care that we're going to die? Oh, my goodness. They saw it from the outside in. They spoke their own death. They smarted off to Jesus. And then they said, don't you care? This is the son of God that's going to lay down his life for us who came from heaven. Walls made out of jasper, gates made out of pearl, streets made out of gold. And, and he's going to go to the cross And do what no man has ever done for me or ever will do for me. No man has ever done for humanity or will ever, thank God, do again for humanity. Thank God Jesus only had to go to the cross once. And they said, don't you even care? Oh, if I was in the boat with Jesus, that would not be the thing coming out of my mouth. I might be saying, Lord, save me. But I wouldn't be saying, don't you even care? Don't smart off to the one who can save you. Lesson one. So he speaks to the winds and waves and he says, peace, be still. But then he didn't stop for the sake of the disciples. I bet they wished he'd stopped because he did not. He said, listen here, you could have done this. Where is your faith? When he said, where's your faith? That means they lost it. They threw it away. They forgot about it or something. But he had given to every person the measure of faith. And now he said, where's yours? And why did he say you could have done this? What was he trying to get across? Listen, the boat stopped rocking. The sea stopped tossing. They get over to the other side. The Gadarean gets healed. And, you know, happy ending. No. The reason he said, where is your faith? You could have done this. Is he knew that he only had 33 years on earth. His time was coming short. 33. That's what I said. Three Mm -hmm. Three years in his ministry, 33 years on earth. He, did I say that right? I don't involve. 33? (laughs) See, she's my friend. (laughs) All is well. (laughs) She's such a mediator between man and wife. 33 years on earth, three years in his ministry. He knew that. I knew that. I just said it really wrong. So... He knew that his time on earth was going to be cut soon. It was going to be over. And even when it was about to be over, they said, oh, Jesus, no, don't go, don't go. And he said, no, it's better that I go. Why? Because there's a system. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was around when he did it. But then he had to send his son Jesus to redeem the earth. But he also had a system that when Jesus went to the cross to purchase our salvation and to bring us back with God, then he would not leave us comfortless. He would send the Holy Spirit because Jesus was, even though he was the son of God, he was the son of man. He was the son of Mary. So he had a human side and a divine side. If he would go to heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit that was strictly divine side. And that would not only be with us, but in us that could manifest the power and the presence of God from the inside out, no matter what room we're in. No matter what hospital room we're in. No matter what car we're in. No matter what ministry we're in. No matter what shopping center we're in. No matter what grocery store we're in. No matter what storm we're in. No matter what fight we're in. No matter what battle we're in. The Holy Spirit is in us and can manifest from the inside out. So Jesus was saying, I could stop there and say, whew, wasn't that good? The storm is over, but that's not Jesus. See, he was a teacher. Yes. Yes. So he said, let me teach you something. I do have to go and it's gonna become pretty soon. But since I have to go and it's gonna be pretty soon, let me teach you a theory that will save your life for the rest of your life. And by the way, for all humanity to follow, I will send the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete, the one called alongside to help, who will not only be with you, but now be in you. And you, by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, can manifest the presence of God, and therefore, whatever situation and storm you face, you do not have to call and say, Jesus is no longer in our boat. Yes, he is, but in a different way. Manifesting through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within you, you have the third part of the Holy Trinity that now becomes you shall receive what? Power. So now, Jesus is going to transfer that power from him to us. He went to heaven, takes it out of heaven. God says, hey, they're going to need something down there. He takes the power down into the earth. What does it say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, equal to how it is in heaven with the same substance, the same glory, the same presence, even the same materials. And God said, I put all the gold and silver in the earth. I told you to subdue it, to to take dominion over it, which means take power and control over it. And yet we look at people with real crowns and real gold and real cool cars and say, I'm a wishing and I'm a hoping. When technically they're driving your car, wearing your crown and sitting on your throne. Now I am not trying to diminish anything because like I said, I think the queen of England's cute little thing. I think she's adorable. I think she's tough. I think she's strong. I think she's godly. I really do. And I'm not diminishing anything of her crown. But I do have to ask you this, where's yours? Where's mine? It's not about a a, a crown of, of the rubies and gold, although he did say he put it all in the earth. Listen, I've got daughters. And my thing about daughters, Is I work really, really hard. I work long hours. I do a lot of things. I spend a lot of time away from home when I wish I was at home. And and there are times when I'll be perfectly honest with you, I work a lot. And I always say I I realize people want equal pay. I am all for that. When you work as hard as I do, you get paid what I get paid. There was a person that was on a flight that he was on. I was sitting next. I was not there at that time. He told me about it. And this woman came up and she was just screaming at him that how dare you be in first class. Jesus doesn't want you in first class. If Jesus was here right now, he wouldn't be in first class. And my husband said, maybe he didn't have frequent flyer miles. And the entire first class busted out laughing. And the problem was she didn't understand her crown. He wasn't stealing, he wasn't killing, he wasn't destroying, he had flown so many miles, he could fly first class until literally Jesus returns and Jesus could use his companion tickets if he wanted to because he's been gone so much. He is, in the next couple days, he's going to India, Singapore, and Korea. Listen, when you establish that, I want my inheritance for whatever it will be when I'm left to go to my family. Why? Um, Well, because I paid the price for it. Jesus paid the price for his family. He doesn't want your inheritance to go to the neighbor, the devil, or to anywhere else. Jesus paid the price so that his inheritance could go to his children. And if you want to walk around too proud to receive your inheritance, I'll take it. Put on your crown and sit down. It doesn't mean be prideful. It doesn't mean be haughty. It doesn't mean put your faith in things. About the time you put your faith in things, those things may disappear because they're fleshly. But when you put your faith in God and he put all the gold and silver in the earth and said, subdue it, take control over it. And you don't do that because, you know, you're too humble because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're poor and humble. Poverty and humility are not synonyms in the dictionary. Oh, well, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes, meek and weak are not synonyms in the dictionary. God gave us power to get wealth. The Bible said that. I didn't write it. We do have to give him the tithe, 10%. Why? Well, because for some odd reason, 10% is translated in Hebrew as increase. I didn't write it. I just obey it. That's right. But when he said, I'll open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing with the same substance and the same sustenance that is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven, and I'll pour it out to you when you bring in tithe and offering, I'm not going to sit back and say, no, thank you. Right. That's right. My children have earned my inheritance. Why? Oh, just because they're mine. It's that simple. And yes, don't get don't yourself. Preachers' kids pay a price. But the truth of the matter is, it's because I want to give it to him. Well, why did Jesus leave us an inheritance? Because he wanted to. And when we allow the devil and his kingdom to steal our inheritance because we're too proud and too humble, you better check your proudness and your humbleness. I think I made up two words in one sentence. Wasn't that good? That's awesome. New dictionary. But the truth is, God gave us the keys to the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and how he operates in the kingdom. And when you do, what did he say? A-L-L, all, super all, the things you ever have need of shall be added. It's not about gold. It's not about silver. It includes healing. It includes peace of mind. It includes joy. It includes happiness. It includes relationships. It includes anything that you're doing on a job, a, a better job. Hey, own the company for all I care. It just means that anything and everything that God has written down in his book for you is what you get. Hey. That's simple, but you have to do the the test. You have to do the backwards kingdom. You've got to put your clothes on inside out, your spiritual clothes. You've got to dress spiritually with the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. When you do that, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, when you do those things, You are living from the inside out, and whatever storm comes your way, you say, looky there, there's a storm. And then you say, I wonder what's stirring up on the inside of me that's going to knock out the storm on the outside. And all you have to do is figure out, seek first the kingdom of God and how he operates in the kingdom. The Bible says four times, Old Testament and New Testament, that just shall live according to their faith. He didn't say their good looks. He didn't say their wealth. He didn't say their cute boots. He didn't say anything like that. He said you live according to your faith. Faith comes by hearing, which means it's developed by the word of God. The more word of God you get, the more developed your faith is. And then get in the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The more you develop your faith, the more you please God. And then when you please God with your developed faith, he's what? A rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. When God rewards, he doesn't give you a piece of dust. When God rewards, it's healing and wholeness and health and wealth and happiness. Healthy, wealthy, wise. It's peace, it's joy, it's fullness in the spirit of God. But you don't get it until you're willing to, To live inside out. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not fleshly. But they are mighty. To what? To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that has the audacity. To exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing. You bring. You're doing the bringing. That action verb is on you. Bringing into captivity. That's a go-to-jail-without-the-get-out-of-jail-free card on any Monopoly board. You bring it into captivity, what? Into the obedience of Christ. Who's Christ? The anointed one and his anointing. When you use the proper weapons of warfare, they are spiritual warfare. They are not carnal warfare. They are mighty because you bring in what God gave you. When you use the tools in the trade that he gave you, they work. Casting down, here we go, imaginations From the outside, bringing into captivity on the inside every thought that is against the knowledge of the anointed one and his anointing, then you will succeed in what you do. So my question today is, are you willing to be peculiar? Are you willing to live in a backwards kingdom? And are you willing to live from the inside out? It isn't easy. When I see something that involves my family, when I see something that involves my children, when I see something that I see Satan coming against us, I I don't ever want to say this, and I don't ever want any more, but I am an expert at putting up with Satan's junk. And I made a decision one time, I'm not called to that. I'm called to rebuke him, to put on my crown, and to sit down and I'm going to do it from the inside out whether he likes it or not and the day shall come because I see the end from the beginning when I say to Satan, I told you so but you have to see it from the inside out I was telling you about my friend whose son got injured we have to see him healed that's the finish line and then we go back at start and pray it out see your finish line I don't know your finish line I know mine but I want you to find your finish line tonight. Whatever it is, whether you see yourself healed, whether you see body parts that are healed, whether you see your mind healed, whether you see your mind renewed by the word of God, whether you see all the old junk that keeps flooding up in your mind and you cannot get away from that thought, what you have to say is, wait a minute, that's just you, devil. I'm working from the inside out. Get thee behind me, Satan, you will not prevail. You know what, this is my mind and you don't have a right to it. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that does not include you, devil. And when we do that, and we don't do it with fear, and we don't do it with worry, we see the outcome. I heard Ben Sanita Hossa, oh my goodness, I love that man. He was one of the most amazing men uh, on, on the continent of Africa, and I just, I dearly loved that man. And he would always say to me, Lindsay, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What would you do? if you knew you could not fail? What would you believe God for if you knew he would bring it to pass? See, the thing of it is, is we we, we have to see the answer before we start. Too many of us see the problem. We see the boat. We see the wind. We see the waves. We see the obstacles. We see ugly people. We see mean people. We see our awful past. We see their awful past. And it just keeps flooding up. And God said, no, no. Inside out, inside out, inside out. And if you'll begin to stir up what's on the inside, you'll change what's on the outside. So I want you to stand up. I want you to focus on whatever it is that is your finish line. And I can't get you there. You have to get you there by faith. I can tell you about faith, but now you have to act on it. Because it's an action verb, but it is your action verb. I have a friend who was preaching on on um, um, a scripture that was saying... Um, that God will give you the desires of your heart. And it was, you know, when you do this, God will give you the desires of your heart. When you seek God, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Seek God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And God said, tell me that one more time. She was saying, when you seek God, he will give you the desires of your heart. And God spoke to her and said, you know my part real well. He said, now it's time for you to do your part. God does his part. We do our part. Don't change roles. Father God, in the name of Jesus, right now, no more excuses, no more excuses, and again, no more excuses. Father God, right now, we change directions. We change locations. We change, and we see things from the inside out. We change the way we look at things. We look through the eyes of faith. And we begin to see ourselves as successful. We begin to see ourselves as healed. We begin to see ourselves as whole. We begin to see ourselves as prosperous. We begin to see ourselves as the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We see ourselves as the lender and not the borrower. We see ourselves totally and completely redeemed. We see ourselves with the perfect job. We see ourselves with the perfect relationship. We see ourselves with anything and everything my Father God ordained for us to have and Jesus purchased on the cross. Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, as we stir up our most holy faith, as we begin, if you pray in the spirit, begin to pray in the spirit now and begin to start manifesting that from the inside out. Begin to manifest it from the inside out. begin to manifest it from the inside out and as you begin to talk to yourself and you begin to talk to God through the Holy Spirit I want you to talk to him have a conversation with him begin to talk to him that this may be the conversation of your life start stirring up your most holy faith. Stir up the spirit within you. Stir up what you're saying. Listen to what God is telling you. And as you're stirring it up, let God give you an idea. Let God give you a thought. Let God give you a vision. Let God show you a change of direction. Let God wiggle you around from the left to the right or from the right to the left. Let God see you the way he sees you and show you how he sees you. You may see yourself as a failure, but how does God see you? You may see yourself as poverty-stricken. How does God see you you may see yourself as unemployed but how does God see you let him have the opportunity right now through the eyes of your faith connect heaven to earth right now connect heaven to earth right now connect heaven to earth right now and listen and learn and see from the inside what God is saying to you so that you can bring it to the outside in the name of Jesus Can you pray right now? Would you do me a favor? Begin to stir it up. And I want you to see it with your eyes of your faith. I don't want you to tell your neighbor unless you're married to your neighbor or tell somebody unless they believe your vision. Don't mess that up. Begin to see with the eyes of your faith what God is saying to you individually, personally, how is he telling you, you get healed, you get delivered, you get a mind of Christ. You don't have to think those thoughts anymore. You don't have to worry about what happened before. You don't have to worry about your past. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to figure out how to pay for it. I have a friend who came to Richard once and said, I've got this great idea. And and instead of saying about money, she said, oh, don't worry about money. I have faith for this. What do you need to do that you may have all the money in the world, but you don't have faith for it? Right now, in the name of Jesus, stir up what God has for you. And as Richard prays, and I have a story to tell you about 20 blades of grass. Father,
1: in the name of Jesus, we receive this word tonight. Because we do have faith, it is ours. And we're not going to misplace it. We're not going to leave it somewhere. We're not going to forget about it. We're not going to misuse it. We're going to release it in your name and we're going to have what you have ordained for us to have
0: we call it into being in the name of Jesus we claim it; it is ours by Bible right Satan The
1: Bible says if the thief is found, he must restore seven times, and we have found you out. You must restore. We thank you, Father, and we call it in by faith in the name of Jesus.
0: Never again
1: will we confess the negative.
0: Never again will we look at it from the outside in,
1: but instead we will look at it from the inside out. That's God's way. That's his way, and we receive it in faith in Jesus' name. Thank now you, Now lift Lord. your hands and give him praise tonight. Praise you, Lord. Give him Lord. honor. Sing praise it with your praise.
0: You praise you, Lord. Now as you're praising the Lord, I want you to take a look at me and I want you to think in your mind what in the imagination of God just came in the imagination of you. What is it that God is showing you? And the question is, how do you accomplish it? Oral Roberts and 20 Blades of Grass. That's how you accomplish it. Oral Roberts and 20 blades of grass. Oral Roberts taught us all about seed faith. It wasn't just a seed because a seed with no faith is dead. Faith without a corresponding action of the seed is dead. Faith without works is dead. You have to have a seed, attach your faith to it, whatever God tells you as a seed. It may be a financial seed. It may be go buy property for someone. It may be go buy a Coca-Cola for somebody. Whatever God tells you as a seed, when you put that seed in the ground and you attach your faith to it, you expect it to grow. Now, what about 20 blades of grass? So the other day, I was sitting at an outdoor mall kind of a thing, and there was this big grassy area for children to play. People were walking their dogs, and they're telling you, keep the dogs off the grass and put the children on the grass. That wasn't happening very much. And so while that was going on, I sat down, and not one, but two dogs came up to me, a little Yorkie and a little Pomeranian. They thought I was their mother. And so they came up. One was trying to jump up on my lap. One was trying to kiss my face. One wanted what I had a little piece of, um, like a pretzel thing and they wanted my pretzel and I was having a big time and this little boy I don't think he was two and a half years old he was about this high gorgeous little child this little boy came running up and of course what did I think he was going to do go to the dogs no he didn't he went to me and he started talking, and he was, and we were playing, and, and I was playing back, and I said, oh, you are the cutest little thing. And so we were having this huge conversation, and we kind of struck it up together, and you could see that there was this little thing going on between this adorable little boy and me, and we were just having this conversation, and his two-year-old conversation, I didn't understand a word he was saying. And chances are real good, he didn't understand a word I was saying. But you know what? He knew what I was thinking, and I knew what he was thinking. I thought he was adorable, and he was eating it up. And he turned around and he went back to the little grass area that he was playing. That was his little safe zone. That was his happy zone. And he took one hand and pulled the grass up in this hand and he took the other hand and he pulled the grass up in this hand and he came running back to me. I've been thinking about this for days. And he did this to me. And I said, do you want me to have your grass? He said, yes. And I said, but wait, why don't you give me one hand and you keep the other hand? No. And I said, are you sure? You want me to have all of your grass? And he said, yes. And he threw it at me and he dumped it down and he ran off. And I said, you're sure? And he said, yes. And I said, thank you. And he turned to me and he went, he gave me his best. He gave me all of it. He didn't hold back anything. He didn't think about Maybe I ought to keep half my grass. Maybe I ought to keep half my seed. Maybe I ought to only sow a little bit. Maybe God doesn't require me to really, you know, give all to him. I freely surrender. Maybe God doesn't want a cheerful giver. Maybe he didn't mean that. I can give, but boy, am I mad about it. And maybe, maybe he really didn't want me to do it with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of love. Maybe he really didn't mean that. Let me tell you something. A child shall lead us. That little boy gave the best he had He did it with a pure heart. He emptied it all out. He was thrilled to be a giver, and he attached his heart to it. My goodness, if a two-year-old can do it. Can't we give God our seed, attach our faith, freely empty ourselves of all of our whatevers? I might decrease so that he might increase and do it with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of love and be a cheerful giver. For heaven's sake, if a two-year-old can do it, without anything held back, he didn't give me nine blades of grass, he gave it all. You know, that reminds me of someone else. Jesus gave it all, willingly, obedient, and cheerfully. And for heaven's sake, don't undersell what Jesus did for you on the cross. Don't ever waste one drop of his shed blood. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Father, I thank you that we can be like a two-year-old and we can come to you with the faith of a little child. Father God, right now, as you've shown us the vision you have for us at the finish line, as we start the start, help us to give seed, Help us to attach faith. Help us to be a cheerful giver. Help us to give it with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And most of all, Father God, help us to empty it all out and give all of us to you so that you can do whatever you want with our lives. In Jesus' name, we commit inside out a backwards kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen.
1: We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org
0: to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit
1: our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.